I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, James, we are done with the draft, and we are just about there for free agency. It's not quite there yet, but we wanted to get a podcast out after the draft, before free agency. That's all I got to say to start. <laughs> well, it's a tight schedule, right? So the longevity of this show might not be... Uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, there, there's lots of rumors around the Leafs right now. Um, the qualifying offer deadline is is in within hours. I'm pretty sure... The Leafs are not going to qualify Andre Kasha. Um, not a huge surprise at this point. And they are going to qualify Pierre Engvall. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's lots for us to talk about. Maybe we should we should start, I guess, with, you know, you and I were both in Montreal for most of the past week. Uh, any kind of, like, learnings or conversations from there is probably the way to go. And then we can get into looking ahead after that. All right. Well, I know you learned some stuff. Why don't you tell me what you learned? Am I putting you on the uh, spot too much? Do you want Do you want me to give you some topics? Yeah, let's. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it was it was it was great. Uh, draft in Montreal. The crowd there was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and you know, the thing I love about the draft the most is literally everyone is there. And we had because there hadn't been an in person draft in three years. We had a lot of staff 
uh, editors, uh, uh, writers who had never been to a draft. So I was having a lot of conversations with people at The Athletic just about like what it was going to be like and what was great about it. And I said to all of them, you know, the thing I love about it is that everybody's there, like every every agent, every draft eligible player, uh, every team and every staff member and every scout. And it was, it's really just a, a huge, huge gathering of and, and every media member, obviously, as well. So um, they all descended on Montreal. They all filled the bars of Montreal until late at night. And uh, I had... Lots and lots of good conversations with people from from all of those groups, and it was pretty neat. I don't know if you noticed, Jonas, at our hotel, there were like a lot of the the kids that were going to get drafted, and it was pretty cool to see. You know, uh, Rutger McGordy's family was staying in our hotel, and and you know, after he got picked by Winnipeg, I think what was it, fourteenth or fifteenth overall? You know, they were just like celebrating in the lobby and 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 at the pool and things like that, and it was pretty cool to see them, you know, go into the draft a little bit anxious and then come out wearing like wearing Winnipeg Jets gear and just like as happy as could be. So it's a pretty special moment, I think, for a lot of those families. Definitely, definitely. And obviously the Leafs first pick, Fraser Minton, uh, they trade down uh, to get that pick. We'll talk about the Morazic trade. I don't know why I haven't mentioned uh, that yet. Yeah. Where does Fraser Minton play his hockey? Uh, It's a little place called Kamloops. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. I got to tell you, like, do you remember that Seinfeld episode with, with George Costanza and they talk about like his worlds colliding, like his friend world and like his relationship world colliding? Yeah. Kyle Dubas sitting up at his podium at the draft and talking over and over again about the Kamloops Blazers was for me a little bit like worlds colliding because <laughs> my love of hockey started in, in my hometown in Kamloops. We were season ticket holders there and I used to go to every single game and, uh, I'm pretty sure the Leafs have not drafted a Camus Blazer, certainly in like the 15 years I've covered the team. All right. Well, you can celebrate, have a beer, uh, but let's actually talk. Uh, it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning, Jonas. Well, later also, you can have a beer, whatever. There are too many beers in Montreal, so I do not need a beer today. Okay. Well, so I don't know how much, how deeply we should delve into this just because nothing has happened yet, um, but there obviously are quite a bit of rumblings about Matt Murray uh, coming to Toronto until we actually know what a trade looks like. I think it's it's hard to pick it apart too much. Um, but do you have any just general thoughts on, on the idea or do you need to see like I kind of feel like I need to see what a trade looks like before I really dive in? Well, but I mean, this trade could happen while we're recording, right? I mean, that would yeah. be good. Or it could happen like five minutes after we stop recording and that would be bad. And maybe we'd have to come back for five minutes and just say, here's what happened. Um, I think a trade, you know what we should, do? I think we should do Jonas is we should talk about what kind of a Matt Murray trade would make sense for the Leafs that we think would be a good trade. Cause I think some people are seeing this and being like, the guy makes 6.25. He's been injured a lot. He's had some bad seasons. Why on earth would the Leafs want this guy? Now, step one, I think that you would need Ottawa to retain half the contract so that his cap hit comes in around 3.1. That would make it somewhat palatable step two could either be the Leafs trading out some salary as part of this trade uh or the Leafs getting another asset as part of this trade in addition so or or both um you know because the the parameters of of the Matt Murray trades that have been out there floating around they've been talking to they've been talking to Buffalo 
Um, Ottawa doesn't want to want to pay that contract. The contract's heavily backloaded, so there's a lot of financial implications for a franchise that doesn't often, uh, you know, spend to the cap. Um, you know, the the trades that have been out there have been there's been sweeteners involved. So, and we don't know what those are. So, if this is a trade, Jonas, like let me just speculate. Let's say Ottawa retains half. The Leafs include. Let's a contract that they wouldn't mind shedding. I'm going to say Justin Hall just because, not because I'm down on Justin Hall, but just that frees up $2 million and they are, they still have six NHL defensemen, even if with Hall moved. Uh, and the Leafs get some sort of a draft pick back, uh, third rounder, second rounder, something like that. Like, do you think that that is the kind of trade that might make some sense? <sighs> I don't know. Um, or you, are you build choose your own adventure and build your Matt Murray trade that might make sense? Well, I was wondering if you could spin it another third of the contract off somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I that's mean, that's kind of what came to my mind. Like, why? The only thing and, is, you you have to pay that with the contract backloaded the way that it is. Like, there's so much money in the third and fourth year of that deal mm-hmm. that it's going to be a lot of actual dollars that 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 third team is going to have to spend, and. You know, we saw, remember when San Jose ate part of the Nick Foligno deal? Yeah, that's what came to mind um, for me, for sure. Yeah, but the difference, Jonas, is... Yeah, Nick there's Foligno two years was, left, yeah. There's, <laughs> Nick Foligno was a quarter of a season Yeah, that you, that you had to eat. Like, it's real money. So, it, two years, if you know, if you want some team to retain a quarter or 25% of the contract for two more years, uh, it's not just the cap hit. It's not just like the one point five five million or whatever the quarter is it's going to be even more than that in actual dollars so you're asking some third team to spend i don't have the numbers exactly in front of me but let's say four four and a half million dollars you're going to have to give up a good asset for them to do that and but so is it worth is it worth it to do that but maybe i'm what i'm kind of thinking is why are if i'm the leafs why am i giving up the asset would be my thought like ottawa needs to as much as the leafs mm. need a goalie yeah, Ottawa needs to get rid of this contract. So if I'm the Leafs, I'm saying to Ottawa, you're going to pay that asset. We're not yeah. going to pay that asset. Well, and, maybe and then it's you get the cap hit even quarter. further down, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe it's, it's not. not. A fu- maybe it's like another million bucks or something and Ottawa has to, you know, and then Murray comes to the Leafs making only two million on the cap. And, and then it's okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But it, to, to flip it back to you, Jonas, maybe you want that other asset to come to the leaves, right? Like, as opposed to like, do you want that asset to, to get the cap hit down or do you just want to add it? Cause it, I mean, both things could be possible, right? I don't like the idea, honestly, of having the two years with the uncertainty with who he is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That, if it was one year left, me. it would be a, a diff- bit different, right? Because you could just put him in the minors or whatever mm-hmm. you had to do, do for one year. But yeah, two years if, yeah, I, I don't, I just don't know what Matt Murray is going to give you. Like, I mean, he was in the, the minors thing, at right? one point last year, right? So yes. I think to be, we should be clear up front, or maybe not entirely up front, because we've been talking about him already. Like he's a big time wild card. Yes. Well, and, and so I wrote about kind of the goalie shuffle over the weekend. It's gotten really hard. Like they are in a really, really, really tough spot. Flurry obviously decides to stay in Minnesota. Huso gets traded to Detroit, and suddenly it's like you look around and there's like there's Kemper, there's Campbell, and then it's like. There's trades, and even the trades are like guys like this. Like they're they're not perfect. I like a, a less riskier um, option. Like I, I think James Reimer just makes 
a lot of sense. He's cheap. Um, he's obviously played here before. If it doesn't work out, like you have the ability to pivot. Um, do any of the trade candidates besides Murray kind of fit for you better than better than I guess Murray? I, I think it'd be knocking on the Islanders' door. Yeah, <laughs> that's see, the one see if, for sure. See if they change their mind on Varlamov because you know if you're the Islanders, you're going to want to improve your team in other areas. They're they're relatively tight on the cap. They're looking to do some some big things. Uh, in free agency, they've been tied to some of the big names that are out there. Um, but, you know, honestly, I don't, what do you, I'm not 100% sure what the Leafs game plan was going into this goalie situation. Like, it, yeah, it's a good question. I've been wondering, James, like I was, I was starting to think over the weekend, like, did, did they need to be more aggressive with this? But like, part of it is like, what do you, you can't sign Example, like you can't sign Marc-Andre Fleury until he becomes a free agent unless you're going to trade for his rights. And obviously, Minnesota wants to sign him. Like you Did, could have traded me, for Husso's rights. So yeah, yeah go ahead. I was going to, I was, that's exactly what I was just going to say to you. Like, w- would you have done that? Husso? I mean, the, the Red Wings gave up like a high third round pick just for his rights and then gave him 4.75 million for a guy who has not played a lot. Like it was, they were pretty aggressive. But I guess if you had, if you're the Leafs and you had determined that Huso is your guy, then you make that trade, right? And, uh, unless you think he's not worth, you know, a third round pick, and I mean, it just shows how many teams were interested in Huso that D- Detroit had to give up that much for him. Like that, that contract was on the high end of what I thought Huso would get, and yeah. they gave up a good pick. So that that's. Um, I guess the I, tough it, part, it, James, it's a is like very, very tough climate to add a goaltender right now. And now the Leafs need two. And, you know, it's it's the number one question of their offseason. They might not do a whole lot else, right? So, like, we could be talking about this goalie situation, like, all offseason and all training camp and all, you know, especially if they go in with two guys with question marks hanging over them. Well, that that's the tough thing. It's like it's like that game of musical chairs you used to play when you're a kid, or or even like I'm trying to think of some other games. I guess musical chairs is the pers- perfect one. Like you just get left with the only chair left, or one of the only chairs, and like suddenly there's not a lot of options. Like it didn't, it hasn't seemed like they really want to pay Jack Campbell. And that could change now that things have shifted. And so suddenly you're looking around. It's like where where is the goalie? Like what are they going to do? And so that's why I would prefer, you know, what a I more think, flexible Jonas, option. Sorry to interrupt you. You know yeah. what I think after like talking to a lot of people, and and I, I want to write about this at some point. I think that the whole Peter Morazic, the way that that happened, I think that it's it's changed the front office's mindset on on how to proceed here. And okay. we'll see if it works. If it works or not. I I just think that they they don't want to dedicate term and and cap hit to a big question mark again. Okay, well then how does Matt Murray enter the conversation? Well, Not that I he's think, a I huge th- cap hit, but Yeah, I think we need to see the way that Yeah, that's we fair. need to see the way that that plays out. I was being I was on the radio this morning and they were asking me like how does this make any sense and it's like, well, we have to see you, you know, Carlo Colacolo was like <clears throat> if Matt Murray you know, is the new Jack Hamill. I was like, well, we don't know that. Like, they're, they're going to add two goalies. So, like, if Matt Murray's your backup and his cap hit is two or two and a half million and you get a good asset in that trade, then maybe you're okay. If Matt Murray is the new Jack Hamill and is your number one, then, yeah, I mean, there's some concerns there for sure. 
Yeah. Well, so you brought it up. Uh, Peter Mrazek gets dealt as we kind of expected what happened to Chicago. It's kind of shocking how little it actually took. I know there were some who have framed this as they traded their first round pick to get rid of Peter Mrazek. And yeah, that's like sort of true, but they also just moved down 13 picks. Like it's not, it's, it's like the best trade they could have possibly made. People are just trying to be, it's so disingenuous to say the Leafs gave up their first round pick to get yeah. rid of Peter Mrazek. Like it's, it, people were, were tweeting that out and, and ripping on the, the Leafs and like you, you drop back 13 spots. Apparently like it was only like, you know, two or three guys on their list or whatever. I mean, the difference between picking 25th overall and 38th overall is not that big. It's really not. No. Who cares if it's in the first, first round or not? It doesn't matter. Like, that's just an arbitrary yes. line. It's it's not like all, it's not like the 31st pick is way better than the 34th pick because it's in the first round and the 34th picks in the second round. Like, come on. But, you know, some people are just looking for any angle to take a shot at the Leafs and they found it there. I mean, that's not to say, like, the Mrazic signing was a bad signing. Like, it didn't work Oh, yes. Out. It was it was a mistake. It was one of the biggest mistakes that this front office has made. But to get out of it by only moving down 13 spots in the draft, and we'll see how it plays out. I mean, there's probably going to be some players in that space between 25th and 38th that are going to be good players. And if Fraser Minton doesn't turn out, which cannot possibly true be true because he plays for the Kansas Blazers, <laughs> the best team in, in junior hockey, and the host of the Memorial Cup next year, um... But, there, you know, if, if it's the kind of, you know, the situation where they traded back to get Travis Dermott and then all of a sudden Sebastian Ajo goes to Carolina in the, in the middle, it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't have traded back. I mean, that could happen. But the, the value of the different picks, there's not much of a gap there. Yeah, to get out from that contract just for that. I mean, I, I just pulled up a random draft, James. I just looked up like 2017, who was picked in like 25 through 27. You can like Jason. So, uh, Montreal picks Ryan Poling with 25, and Jake Ottinger goes to Dallas at 26. And then you look a little further down, and like at 39, Dallas gets Jason Robertson. Like, you just, I don't know. Yes, but it's very similar. It's yeah. very like, you know, if you look at historical draft pick values, that that like mid 20 spot, you've got like a, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think you got like a 10, 15% chance of getting a really good NHL player. And 39 is not. 38 38 is not 38. that much different than 25 i just can't really. believe chicago couldn't squeeze anything else out of the leafs like the leafs were that they, they had no way they needed to get rid of this contract like, well, where else were they clear. gonna be able to trade him too right i mean like maybe arizona but Ari like i mean i don't know arizona has a goalie and yeah anyway. the move that the Leafs made was much preferable to the buyout and i think that the buyout was legitimate consideration if they couldn't trade him to chicago yeah, I guess that's the other option. I guess maybe that's their leverage. We'll just buy them out. Um, but that's obviously not ideal. Not just a mistake of a signing. I mean, that's why like it's in the position that they in the, they're in, James. Like the way that they're built, they have so little margin for error with that kind of stuff. And he, the one thing I I don't really understand is why why he ended up being the guy. Like all the things we learned about Mrazek last year were things that were known about Mrazek before they signed it. So, like, you know what I, and again, I think like we should, I think we should write about this, honestly. Like today, you know, I need to talk because I think we've got some stuff, but I, I don't mind like putting a taste of it into the podcast before we write the story. But, you know, I think that 
it was really looking at some of the analytics on Mrazek and, and getting excited about what he had done. Um, that That's my understanding of, of like, they, they thought he was going to be potentially a really good option for them. And they weren't sure about Campbell, right? Like, they really weren't sure what he was going to be able to give them. But see, so that's where you need to blend analytics with, like, whatever you want to call it. Because, like, he was known as being inconsistent. He was known for getting injured. So, like, the analytics can be great. But if those two things... you co- Well, and anyway. they played 12 games. I was yes. surprised. I was surprised not that they signed Morazic. I was surprised it was three years. And I was surprised the cap hit was so high. But there were... Again, last year in free agency, there were some bad goalie contracts. Like, I'm sure they went into free agency being like, we like Morazic. Let's get him at two years, 3.2 or something like that. And if that's the case, it's a much easier contract to get rid of. But then if the bidding starts going up, like Allmark got, didn't Allmark get 5 million? Like, now all of a sudden there's these goalies that don't have much of a track record that are getting tons of money. And a yeah, lot of them are going to be. Years. A lot of them are going to be mistakes. Like, there's going to be. There's going to be just. You know, there's going to be a lot of mistakes, you know, this offseason too. I mean, if Kemper gets six million long term and Campbell gets five million long term, and the crazy thing is, is that who knows which ones are mistakes and which ones aren't. Yes, and that's and that's kind of where I ended up at. Like, as much as it seems like, oh, it's a risk. Like, if you just trade for Reimer and make him half of your your crease, is it is it really like that? Mu- is he really that much less r- or riskier than Campbell? Well, or? We should be clear too, Jonas. We don't know if San Jose is trying to trade Reimer. Like he was their best goalie last year, and like I, I wasn't okay, able so- to nail nail down that that was actually. And the other thing I should say is when Reimer was a free agent, I think both times I want to say there was no indication that this Leafs front office was interested in him. So I don't know if that's analytics or what it is, but I remember I remember digging around on that in free agency. They weren't they weren't talking to the, to to Reimer's camp like they so. I don't even know if they want him in any sense. Okay, well, we know we do know, Kyle Dubas said this, that after they made the Mrazic trade, that teams just started approaching them with their extra goalies uh, was about, Minnesota. about trades. I mean, so, I mean, I guess there were, it was probably Minnesota and Ottawa. I mean... Yeah, I'm sure there were others. I mean, San Jose does have three goalies, like, so... Yeah. Um, but so... But, but other than Reimer, would you want either of the other guys? Not really. Like, Cam Talbot doesn't do anything for me uh but you mentioned kemper what about just paying kemper and now like obviously you've got other teams interested like he may want to go to washington washington may be willing to pay what if you just said we're just going to get him we're just going to pay well jonas the rumor is you want six by six you need a six i mean we're just talking about the risk and all that and uh, kemper didn't exactly cover himself in glory in the playoffs like he didn't exactly if if I could get Kemper for two years at five million, I'd do it tomorrow. But <laughs> yeah. that's not what the contract's going to be. No, you know, you're going to have to commit term and a lot of dollars. And 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 the thing that happened, like Colorado, was just like we don't think this guy's worth that. And I think Colorado is one of the smartest teams in the league. They their cup win was well earned. They got a lot of smart people in that front office, including analytics people, uh, that contributed to them winning. If they don't see the value there. I, I think they're right. Well, they're basically just saying what the option that I'm kind of thinking about is we're just going to go with these guys, uh, Georgiev and, and Fran Kuz. I can never remember how his name is actually pronounced. It seems oh, like everybody is. Anyway. Francois. Francois. Um, and, if, and if it doesn't work, we'll just, we can just get someone else. Um, 
But I guess what I was thinking, James, like if you're that front office, this is something that they have not done to their credit. They've never just said, you know, fuck it. We're just going to make a move. And if it screws up the organization long term, we'll be gone. Like we don't care. They, they really have not done that at all. Um, well, you I could mean, just say some, with Kemper, some like, people could argue like first giving up a first round pick for Foligno or something like that hurts them long term, I guess. That's no, I mean, more like a long term, like, I, I well, guess that's fair. But I think I'm, they were fairly close on like trading everything in the kitchen sink for Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, you know, the, the trade they eventually yeah, made but, to get rid of Mrazek was better than that one. But that's but that was to try they They were trying to win a cup like that. I mean, like a trade where you're just signing a long term contract or trading for a long term contract and saying, fuck it, like if. If this doesn't work out, we'll be gone anyway. Like, we don't have to worry about it. And so that's what I'm thinking with Kemper. Like, you could just say, you know what? We just need him to be good this year, next year. And if it doesn't work out three or four years from now, like, it's someone else's problem to deal with. I well, just don't see the, them doing that, I guess, is where I'm at. The other thing we should say is that, you know, you were talking about how there's there's few chairs left in musical chairs. I mean, it, it goes the other way for the goalies, too. Like, there's only... Who's going to pay Kemper if it's not Washington? Like, let's say... Everyone that I've talked to thinks Campbell's going to go to Edmonton and it's going to be like five by five. And, and my understanding is the Leafs don't want to want to pay that. So then all of a sudden you're down to Kemper and he's got Washington and Toronto. If Washington decides they don't want to pay him six by six or whatever, what do they want to pay him? And where does the price come down to? And at what point, if you're the Leafs, do you want to get involved? And I think, too, if you're the goalie, I mean, you probably have a better chance to win in Toronto than Washington just with. The you age know, of the teams, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, Backstrom's hurt and, and things like that there. Yeah, I'd I'd lean flexible. I mean, because like, so you you mentioned Varlamov. If if the Islanders' season doesn't go well, there you go. This trade for well, yeah, Varlamov. Go for him. Yeah, that, yeah, that's interesting. And like, yeah. there are other teams like that who have, who might not be great and who might have goalies. I don't know. I just... I just well, don't maybe like Jonas. It. They for the first time they go into the year with like a bunch of cap space that they can use to like flexibility to make trades during the season, as opposed to going in with like four cents left under the cap. Yeah, or you use, or you can use some of the money to try to fix some stuff elsewhere. Like one thing that um, we haven't probably talked enough about is like how are they going to fix this second line center thing? Like where where exactly is that person coming? So from? I saw, you put that in your goalie story, and I saw some of the comments are like, "Why did Jonas throw in like a second line center comment?" So maybe you can just explain why you mentioned that as one of their needs. Well, I mean, you and I have been talking about this for a long time, and it seems in the ether that like they're going to have to figure out this Tavares thing, like whether he can be their second line center or whether they have to move him to the wing. It's that- not just him too. It's like him playing with Nylander just didn't work for long stretches of last season. And if you keep both guys, are you playing them together? And like, if you do that, what's going to change? Yeah. And and so there was, uh, Elliot Friedman mentioned it in one of his columns uh, that the Leafs, I, I'm paraphrasing, um, but that maybe Tavares becomes what they're going to call a hybrid forward next year, which basically is just like he's just going to take face-offs, but he's going to play the wing. Like he's one of the best face-off guys in the league. You and I have been talking about this for like, years. What, like, like a, yeah, a long time. And yes. the thing too, you hear whispers of it around the league. I've heard of, of, of about it. I mean, Stamkos is the perfect example. Perfect right? example. And younger and, than Tavares. And Stamkos, I would say, is probably a better skater. Yes, you he know? is for so, sure. You know, the fact that, and, and Stamkos embraced that and 
then you win two cups. So that's all the Leafs need to do, right? Yes. I And, and honestly, <laughs> I have no reason to think that, that Tavares wouldn't embrace it. But so the question is like, okay, well, how are they going to get that guy? Because like, if, if you're, if they don't have a ton of cap space and like, they're probably not going to be able to afford these free agent centers. Okay. So well, how are you fixing that issue? Are you moving Marner over? Are you moving Neander over? Are you just keeping Tavares there? Like, so that's that's one of the things. Like, if you spent a little less in goal to start, maybe you can address that need because it's a need. Like in the, I mean, it had been going. It's been going on now for a couple of years. Where when his line is on the ice, despite easier matchups, uh, easier deployment, they're getting the ice is tilting the wrong way. So that's that's why I mentioned that. Um, yeah. Well, it. How do you, you know, you lose Mikheyev and like, how does the forward group get, get better or at least stay the same as what you had last year? Well, so, uh, let's, let's actually take a break and then let's get into that. And then a little later, we got to get into the pod bag. So let's take a break and then we'll dive right into that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Perfect segue, James, from you before the break. Uh, you mentioned the forward group. So there are, we're recording this on the morning of qualifying offer day. It should be like a little holiday, don't you think? QO day? Is it a holiday? Um, why would that be a holiday? I don't know. The um, agency's not a holiday. The draft's not a holiday. But yes, the qualifying offer day is the holiday. Well, so there are potentially going to be some guys out there who don't get qualified, which is how the Leafs got camp last year. Do you have, do you have a list? Got, no, because it's it doesn't it's not required to be in until five o'clock. So not all the teams have. No, but I in. just meant like guys you think that oh. might be on that. Like so, well, Chicago yeah. like. Could, Kubalik and and Dylan Strom didn't get aren't going to get qualifying offers, so that's kind of interesting. Well, so I mentioned a few of the the guys who I didn't think would get qualified in a UFA best fit story or a free agent best fit story. Kubalik was one of them, and and I think he, it's just going to depend on the cost, uh, but he can score. And so, like you you mentioned, Mikheyev, well, they're going to need to replace some of the offense that he left, although he didn't produce in the playoffs. Um, but I kind of like the idea of him as a second, third line kind of guy who they'll score you, in the power me, play a bit. Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you this, Jonas. I know you've looked at the cap situation as have I. Do you think that the Leafs have room to add another $3 million plus forward given their cap situation? That's a good question. Like, So can you get him for less than that? Uh, I think that that's probably about the right number. Unless, unless you're going to like try and wait it out and like get guys that don't sign, but I look at the free agent class and I look at how much money some teams have to spend. And, you know, it's like, look, last year there weren't a whole bunch of 
bargains in that range. You know, normally the bargains are going to come with guys with bigger question marks around them, like Bunting and, and Kasha. He does have like some question marks. Like he only had 32 points last year. He he's basically mm. had the one really big year as a rookie, and like it's been just okay since. Okay, and I but wonder I still think James, he's going to get like two seven five or something like that, right? So that I'm I I think about that. Um, I, I'd have to think about that if I'm them, and maybe what they can do. I think one thing that they did well last year is they offered the second year. Obviously, they did that with Richie. They did that with Camp. They mm. did that with Bunting. So, like, maybe if you offer two years, maybe you can get a guy like that. Another guy I like, and again, we're recording this before all the QO stuff has come out, um, like Miles Wood um, with Jersey, um, I think would make a lot of sense for them. Like, he's just like a really... One thing, like, you and I talked about in the playoffs and watching Colorado and watching Tampa, or maybe I talked about this with Chris, Chris, Chris Johnson, our buddy, is they just have like a lot of Chris used the word gamers and and Miles Wood just kind of fits that for me like you think of like Nick Paul in the playoffs like how he performed for Tampa you think of like Goudreau and Coleman and guys like that over the years and and I kind of feel like he would be in that mold for the Leafs like they kind of need a little more I don't know like just bulldogs Marshawness yeah like jerks a little bit <laughs> and, and he's not a jerk like but he tries really hard and he, he can score around the net um i i don't think strom really makes sense for them um and he's probably going to get more than they would want like he doesn't you know what i don't understand in. jonas is like why does chicago not qualify these, these I don't guys know. like why don't why don't I you don't just know. sign them and then trade them for like a draft pick or something it like isn't that like, better than just it, walking away it feels like very poor asset management honestly they're just like lighting the whole. Th- it it's like because you could just setting, setting the house on fire when you could just sell the house and like go get a new one or whatever. Right. You you bring them back and then halfway through the year you trade them for something else and basically you're just, just pump up their value, put them on the first line, get let Kubalik score twenty goals in the first forty games, and then auction them off and retain yeah. part of the salary. Like and and you'll get an asset. Yes, it's very bizarre what they're doing over there. Like I understand. You know, and the other thing too is, I mean, with the way the lottery is, you're only going to have like whatever it is, 18% chance of getting, it's going to be a good draft, but there's no guarantee you're going to win the lottery. Well, and you want as many like things as you can get, right? Like you, as many assets and picks and prospects and I don't know, it's bizarre what they're doing there. And if you just walk away from talented players, it's, anyway, they got Peter Mrazek at least. I'm trying to Are they going to play him like 63 games next year? Yeah. Um, Watch him be good. Watch him play really well. He'll probably bounce back and be like, okay. And the Leafs will have to reacquire him. Um, Yeah. So those were a couple of the guys that, that made sense in terms of like not being qualified. I have a whole list of guys. I'd, it's in my notebook buried somewhere. Um, smells like a column. Well, we need to see uh, what comes out. But so... Uh, you mentioned Kasha and Engvall. You had mentioned this in a column like a month ago, maybe longer, uh, that there was potential for Kasha not getting qualified. Um, do you want to just kind of re-explain why and where you think things will lead? Well, I think just with his injury history, the Leafs don't know how many games he's going to be able to play. And, you know, he came in last year off a season where he only played three games and that's why he was available at the contract. He signed for $1.25 million. With the year he just had for the Leafs, even after missing the number of games that he did, he, he can he can command a bigger contract than that. And if you're Kasha, 
you want a team to give you maybe two years or something just with his injury history. I mean, if he can get a two-year deal for $2 million a year or $1.8 million a year, that's that's three point six or four million dollars that you know helps set him up for the rest of his life, given how much money he's missed out on with all the injuries and everything. So I certainly understand it from his perspective, you know. And if the Leafs do give him a qualifying offer, he's got arbitration rights. You go to arbitration, you look at his history in the league. I don't know what I, I think it was just too big of a wild card for the Leafs. Like if you go to arbitration, like do you do you want Kasha at two million? Do you want him at two point four? You know, like, what number is too much? And I think that you, the Leafs are probably better off having that flexibility. And and if Kasha doesn't get that offer that he's seeking, like something with some term or with a higher dollar number, maybe he they do circle back and there is a match there. So I was going to ask you to put on your Brandon Pridham hat. And what would you offer? I would give him, like, you know, I think I'd be okay. I would actually, I would give Kasha like a two-year deal, at like 1.5 or something That's like exactly that. That's exactly what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah, something like that would be fine. And if he ends up hurt, like put him on LTIR and you're all right. But, um, you know, so I think that there's been a lot of talk between the Leafs and, and CAA, which is the agency that represents Kasha. There's been, a, there's been a ton of conversations. They both know where they stand. Sometimes in these situations, you just go to free agency and see what else is out there. And maybe you're like, you know what? You know, Kasha wants to be in Toronto. You know, his David Kopp is his best friend. He loved playing here. He wants to come back. He handled his concussion stuff really well, patiently. Yeah. Yeah. So I still think there's a chance he does come back. Well, so you mentioned the cap space. So they have like, depending on how you shuffle things, like around like 13 million-ish. And they Mm -hmm. need two goalies. They need, they need like a top nine forward, maybe like a second center. Um, they need another defenseman. They need some fourth liners. Um, so they need to sign Sandine and Engvall. they need to sign Sandine and Engvall. So that's some money. So we're like, we're probably going to be more than the least yes. we're hoping. Uh, so we'll get to Sandine in a second because I want to talk about that. Um, how much? You and I have talked a little bit about this just because I've been digging into like who they could get and wrote about it. How much would you invest on their fourth line? Like how much how much is too much? Like I looked at Colorado and Tampa basically playing like three million ish for their fourth lines. Yeah, the are Leafs you okay are making a lot that? of noise that they want Marley's guys playing there, which and I don't I don't know who makes sense, but maybe Joey Anderson. I, yeah. Yeah. I think they're gonna go relatively cheap on the fourth line to answer your question the the one thing i would think about if there's someone and i don't have a name on the tip of my tongue if there's someone that makes sense is maybe someone who can play center on the fourth line because that's been a bit of a problem been a bit of a problem my guy darren helm that's who i like you need someone that can win some draws and play in the d zone and like if someone gets hurt can move up to the third line if needed and they they need they you know that's darren helm there you go with with spezza (laughs) gone and you know, yeah. you don't want Kerfoot playing on the fourth line, so they, they're gonna they're gonna need someone that can do that. So, uh, but I do think that you know spending only around three million dollars on the fourth line is fine. It's relatively common around the league. You just got to get the right the right guys for that three million dollars. Yeah, I just and and so in that thirteen ish million, like I wasn't including Wayne Simmons. Um, I just don't know if he's an NHLer anymore. Same with Kyle Clifford. They just need to have a fourth line that can actually play. Um, that was something that hurt them in that Tampa series. Um, 
So before we get to the pod bag, let's just talk a little bit about Sandine. Uh, he'll get qualified today. Um, what do you think happens here? Like we had talked about it last time a little bit, and I wondered, like, do you trade him? Um, I, that doesn't seem like out of the realm of possibility now. I, it doesn't seem likely, but it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. Well, just like the some of what's floating out there is that he's. It sounds like he's not happy about where things are at and about there not being a clear role for him on the blue line. And I don't know necessarily that it's like about playing on the right side as it is about there's a lot of defensemen and a lot of veteran defensemen. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to sit in the press box for half of next season. So I think some of the difficulty in the negotiation, you know, and the talk is that he doesn't want to sign a contract like what Lilgren did is more about opportunity for Sandine than it is about money. Well, and I, and I think this is also tied to the way things have gone in recent years. Like, this is not just one thing. So, like, you go back a couple years when they sign Mikko Lettinen, and then Lettinen plays ahead of Sandine. I mean, you can look um, last year, he comes back from the injury in the playoffs. There's no spot for him. Like, he played, a, I think if he was healthy, he'd, he would, well, who knows, um, I guess. Uh, but like it's it's kind of an accumulation, and then they signed Mark Giordano right after the season. Now you have Riley Muzzin, Giordano. And it's like, well, where do I fit? Yeah, I just think it's a lot of that stuff, and then it's like, but you know, like the injuries aren't like they're no one's fault. But the injuries, I mean, Mikheyev went through it, right? Like, look at look at the contract Mikheyev was playing on. If he hadn't have been hurt, he would have made a lot more money, and and you know that that's just the way that it works. So I understand. Where both sides are coming from here, I do. But I, I still think at the end of the day, Sandine, the Leafs need to explain to Sandine where he's going to play for them. Yes. And as long as that's in the top six and he's going to be an everyday player, which he should be, I think he should he should come back even if it's on a one-year deal. Well, and so that's that's part of this. Like, he's going to get, he's not going to be cheap for long. Um, in like next summer, if he signs a one-year deal, he'll have arbitration rights. Um, but I thought one of the interesting things, like Kyle Dubas really tried to get that message out like we believe in this guy him and timothy Lilgren are big parts of our future but one of the things he also did mention is like we need him to basically kick up his conditioning is is kind of what he said like he didn't he said like we need to arm him with the tools or whatever so that he's not getting injured which to me reads as like we need him to be in even better shape than he's been in yeah it sounds like that's there's there's like concern on the team side and and then so then that comes out and then we start talking about that and it could sour the relationship even further so it'll be interesting to see where this goes yep lots of interesting stuff we didn't even talk about the draft do you have any thoughts on the draft before we get to take a break <laughs> i was surprised to the I thought, it's I on the we list talk, yeah it's on i the thought list. we were going to talk about it like off the top yeah it's on the um, list it's 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 hard to evaluate the draft as you you know you and I focus a lot on the NHL. Yeah, um, I know a lot about Minton just because Kansas is one of the few junior teams that I actually do watch from time to time. He was awesome in the playoffs. You know, I watched a couple of their games in the playoffs because you know Kansas was one of the best teams in the CHL this year. They had a chance. They went relatively deep in the WHL playoffs. Um. He's he's a gamer, you know, not the biggest guy in the world, but it kind of brings some of those intangibles you were talking about, like just, you know, a hard worker, a good checker, a smart player. 
Um, his numbers during the regular season weren't anything to get super excited about, but people need to keep in mind he was on a really good team, so he was a little bit down the lineup, uh, was playing on a, a you know on the penalty kill and kind of some defensive minutes. And the other thing too is he's very young. And yes. w- w- what's his, his birthday? He July just turned eighteen. Just. Right. So so you know he's playing a seventeen year old on one of the best teams in in junior hockey, and the fact that he did what he did during the playoffs. Uh, really helping Kamloops uh, to go on the run that they did is promising. And he's going to be a player, you know, people should keep an eye on not only WHL playoffs, but the Memorial Cup next year, because he's going to be a big part of of what they try and do. And um, a lot of developing that still needs to happen there. But it's interesting, you know, that the Leafs are looking at hockey IQ as a big part of of what they're looking for. And we didn't get the full breakdown of how it worked, but they were kind of like testing the players they were interested in their hockey IQ cue by like showing them some video and some situations and saying, what we did you, what would you do here? And what would you do there? Yeah. And my understanding is he scored very, very high on, on those tests. Well, and, and he's a center. They could use more center depth. He's, he's a long way away. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, he, he he's not going to be a guy that's going to be making an NHL impact in the next three years. So and that's, I mean, when you're picking high second round, that's often the case. All right, let's take a break and let's get to the pod bag. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, pod bag time. A reminder to visit your local restaurants. We had some great local food and local food. We had great restaurants in Montreal. Yeah, enjoyed I don't ourselves. Know if that counts as local. They were local to the hotel we local were staying at. Local to Montreal. Man, what a, what a city! Like yeah. Montreal in the summer. I was like, I was like, I should move here at some point. <laughs> they should just do the draft there every year. I would be totally fine with that. Yeah, did you hear that they're talking about potentially not doing the draft in person? Like some some teams liked the remote draft, and I was like, oh man, I don't want to like kill the event. Really? Why do why do teams like that? Just because like it's and and uh, Chris Johnston talked about this on on his podcast with Julian McKenzie, which I highly recommend, which is a great a great show. Um, that some teams felt like it's, it was just easier to kind of like have their conversations and do their business when they're in like a more controlled environment in their war rooms in in their various uh cities oh that's interesting yeah which would be too bad because like the the atmosphere on the draft floor is pretty cool yeah they yeah i like it i i I would be sad about that the rumor for where the draft's gonna be next year i i heard a couple when we were in montreal and the the two ones that i heard the most were nashville and seattle which would both be a lot of fun that would be awesome 
I'm good with either one of those. I my guess is, and like I don't want everyone saying this is not a sure thing. This is just like a rumor, but my guess is it's going to be Nashville, which which would be fun. That'll be trouble for some people. In, yeah, including yourself. Nah, you were having more fun in Montreal than <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever seen you go that hard before. Yeah. All right, what do you got? God bless everyone. We put out the call for questions on late notice, and there are many questions in the pile. So thank you. Uh, Daniel says, uh, what is Rasmus Sandin worth in a trade? That's a really good question. Now, let, let me ask you, pretend you're another team. What, how, do you, how would you feel? I, th- I would think that a lot of teams don't know what he is yet. Yeah. He just hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't played a lot. So you're kind of trading for potential. But, you know, he's a former first-round pick, very, very good in a third-line role, he's played on the power play, he's put up some points, he's played a little bit in the playoffs in the past. I mean, I think he's I think he's worth more than, like, a second-round pick or something like that. Like, I think he should be worth, like, a pretty strong asset. Yes. Just based on his age and how he's performed so far in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, and his skill set. Got a lot of potential. I don't want to give him up because, like, I'm worried that he's going to turn into a really good player. So what do you? So what at this point? And obviously, like you said, like we still are learning about him. If you were going to guess what he becomes, like how good do you think he is? Do you think he's a first pair defenseman? Do you think he's a no, second pair? I think he's. I think he's like a three four guy. Yeah, I do too. At this point, but it's possible. I mean. It, it it's it's hard with players that young that you haven't seen so much to know what they're going to be, but I you know I've I've thought for a long time that he's going to be you know a real solid second pair D. Like, do you think he's Sam Gerrard eventually? No, no, no. not that good, not as good as Skater. No, it doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't have the the mobility. That's yeah. That's yeah. All right. Connor W, you already addressed this a little bit, but I think it's probably worth maybe going into a little bit more. Would Dylan Strome be worth a look? He's probably going to get more money than the problem is. Like, okay, so so where do you play him? He's like, I don't. I'm not playing him in the middle ahead of Tavares. Like, the, I I don't think that makes a sense. Like having a line with him and Tavares and Nylander or Marner. Or, I just don't. I just don't know, think that that's an upgrade at center in the way that you need it to be an upgrade. Do you? And it's a style of play thing too, right? Like, yeah. I don't. I don't think he fits with what who they have to play him with. To be honest, like no. skating and and those kind of things. I don't think you compare him and like Tavares. Like that's a little too yeah. slow. I think so. I don't. I think he's going to get a decent contract. Like again with like Kubelik. I mean, someone's going to Strom had like a point a game in the second half of last year, right? Like you know, you're some team that that misses out on on the Cadres and the Jeruz and Malkins and Gaudreaux, and you're going to be looking for offense. And there's not that many, you know, potential centers available. Someone's going to someone's going to pay Strom, and it's not going to not going to be the Leafs. What a sliding doors moment, though, James. Like, so he goes third. They could have taken Marner. Obviously, they don't. Like, what? I wonder what the world looks like if Arizona had just taken Marner, and I don't know what the Leafs would have done. Like, it, it's possible they, they would have taken went a to defenseman. D. Yeah, they for sure they would. They yeah. I mean, they, they probably would have taken, taken either Provorov or Hannafin. Wrensky was the one that I heard that was real high, real high on their list. Babcock, maybe you trade back. I mean, Babcock told me that they talked about. 
Provorov and Hannafin were the two they discussed. I've I've heard that the yeah. stealth one on their list was Wierenski. And sure. Columbus got him eighth and was... I remember they were like giddy after that draft that they got him eighth. Yeah, looks pretty good. Although, I mean, <laughs> Rantanen goes two picks later. Uh, who else? Kyle Connor goes 17. That's a, that is a loaded fucking draft. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know why Rantanen and... and uh, Barzell goes 16. Uh, Joel Erickson goes 20. Brock Besser, 23. Barzell should have never, like, Boston should have taken him with one of their picks, right? Boston gets zero. Well, Boston basically just ends up with DeBrusque. They had three picks in a row, 13, 14, 15. I mean, and everyone knew it at the time. Everyone was like, what on earth? You mentioned Sebastian Ajo. He goes 35. Tough. Ooh, Rasmus Anderson, 53. My Twitter is just blowing up today. I'm trying to like make sure we don't miss anything here. Here's another one, James. Anthony Sorelli, 72. Yeah, well, that's a hell of a pick. <laughs> oh, that's what you're hoping for with Fraser Minton is you're yeah. getting a guy that's like the defensive play is going to be so good that, you know, Sorelli's not the biggest guy in the world either. Nope. Not that I'm saying that Minton is going to be Sorelli. I'm just saying like that's they're, – they're looking for like the IQ piece of it to, to be the big part of it. Uh, Dylan wants to know how ready do we think Nick Robertson is? How much patience should the Leafs afford him? Uh, can he and Joey Anderson be part of a useful fourth line, maybe with like a Colin Blackwell or a Colin White as the fourth line center? Uh, I don't mind that. And I, I think that I would rather do that than like a Clifford Simmons kind of thing they were trying last year. I agree with that. I would rather get some guys who I know for sure can play. Like they can't, they, I'd leave one spot open. Maybe it's 13th forward for one of those guys. And maybe they Robertson not even like, have a 13th forward though, right? Like they haven't had the cap space to have one the last few years. And like they, they can't, they can't mess around. Like they can't. The just, good news with Robertson is he's on entry level. So you can just bounce him back and forth, right? Like you don't have, no one's going on waivers and that puts you in a, a good spot with him where he can just be your extra guy if someone's hurt. Yeah. He didn't have a great showing last year. Like that wasn't. As, you as watch him in the like AHL though, and he's still super young. And it's like, well, like I think he's an NHL player. I just don't know. If I think it's that's second, yet third, to be determined. Yeah. I, th- I he's think he's an so NHL young. Player. Like he'll be 22, 21 in September. Like he's. I think if you're twenty and you can put up a point a game in the AHL, almost always you're an NHL player. Um, we got to see it. I mean, he's only played sixteen games. Like he, there's not enough of a sample size. Uh, no, size and what skating. I'm saying is what he's done in the AHL, I think you can yeah, say but, that. Yeah, but lots of guys who can produce in the AHL don't produce in the NHL. Like Not at 20, though. Yeah, but like sometimes it's, a, it's, it's an age thing. Yeah, but sometimes it just doesn't translate. Like size and skating to me are, are legitimate questions about him. Yeah, but he can I'm sco- telling you, though, like you look at the list of, of players that have produced like that at 19, 20 years old in the AHL, there's the, it, it's very, very small, the number that don't make at least some impact and like i said i don't know if robertson is a second or third or a fourth liner yet yeah i would bet on him to to play but i don't know what he is at this point like you're saying uh brian wants to know if the leafs do trade for matt murray is he the backup or do you think the plan is for him to be the starter i think it's going to be a tandem i mean i i don't see oh I, i don't know who the other guy is right so it's hard to say they could go with two guys that are kind of question marks and just like see who who plays well 
Yeah, that, that's the, the, the yeah. Again, we need to see what a trade would look like before we can kind of really break it down. John wants us to do a goalie pool where we like pick different goalies with salary and term and. Well, let me ask you, James. Like, what what uh, Colorado gave to Georgiev? What do you think about that? So they no, gave him I, two by or I, three by three by point four. I don't see it. I mean, he hasn't been very good the last couple of years in New York. Like he, you know, they were ready to walk from him and not qualify him, and then all of a sudden, yeah. But like, not a great defensive team. Um, if you look at some of the underlying stuff, like I think his five on five numbers were okay. If I recall correct like it'll be super interesting if colorado great but if he if he like like grubauer looks really good in colorado goes to seattle and is brutal kemper looked good in arizona so that maybe that's the greatest example but you know you win a cup with with kemper not playing that well like maybe colorado just feels like you know what like we feel okay with just having taking a chance on some guys but i was surprised that georgiev got got the term that he did on his deal well, he's not old. Like he's only, I think he's twenty six. Yeah, he's twenty six. Yeah. I just don't know what he is. I mean, I they, they must, might be just thinking we're so good. Like we just need him to be fine, and if he's fine, we'll be fine. And they also, you know, what the the other difference is? Like now that they've got their cup, they they probably feel a little more emboldened. Like, <laughs> here's one question: James B says, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> I played I played on my beer league team last night and that was kind of the question I was getting questions from guys on my team and they're like what, what's good what's gonna happen like they don't understand what the plan is here so we'll we'll see if if Kyle Dubas' strategy pays off here or not um uh Dylan wants to know uh what about Connor Brown coming back as part of the package if there's a trade with Ottawa or what are the odds that the Leafs look at getting Poo Yarvey, who's on the way out in Edmonton? Again, I just don't really see the fit. Both those guys are, you know, it's gonna the, the contract's gonna be three million range, right? So there's a world where the Leafs can potentially fit in another three million dollar forward, but it's gonna mean they spend less in goal and and. Hall's going to have to go, and but I, it's possible they add one more three million dollar forward. Well, ideally, that guy plays forward. Like I think Brown would be helpful for them for sure. But again, like that center ice question on the second line doesn't get answered. Yeah, that. you you mean not ideally he plays forward? Ideally, he plays center, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if you just added him to the top nine pool, like sure, yeah, like he's. He's exactly the kind of guy like I was talking about. Like he is a gamer. Like people in Toronto know that. But then, like, what are you doing with that second center spot? I don't know because he's a winger. Connor asked a question that you and I were talking about in Montreal. Uh, he says, "What realistically does the market look like in a trade for Justin Hall? Is he packaged in a deal for an asset, or is it just a dump? Uh, if it's if it's the latter, if it's a if it's a dump, uh, shouldn't we just keep him as the seventh defenseman? He's been pretty reliable. That's what uh, I believe. Like, That's it's not I'm like he'd be." Yeah, you just don't see teams with a $7 million, or sorry, a $2 million seventh defenseman. Yeah, but so obviously we need to see what happens with Sandine. I just think he's, I think he's well, if become Sandine underrated goes, a little bit, honestly. Yeah, well, everyone, he became the scapegoat last year, despite, I mean, he had a, he had a good playoffs. He, Muzzin and Hall both struggled through the first, whatever it was, 30 odd games of the year, and then you know, Hall in the second half, like all his 
underlying numbers. And it, once he got away from Muzzin as a partner, it, it it started to go in the right direction for him. So, and the thing to keep in mind is that Sheldon Keefe often plays him on on the second pair. So it's not as if he's getting heavily sheltered. I think that you know Hall's an NHL player. If he's playing on your third pair, he's going to be he's going to do well there. I think the question for the Leafs, and we've talked about this before on the show, is they want to change the way that the blue line looks in terms of the physicality and some of those kind of things. They want to have those elements. Um, and they don't, you know, if they have Lilgren, Sandine, and Hall, they might feel like there's just a little bit too much in the direction of finesse. Yeah, but it's also about size. And like he is obviously of great size. And you look in the playoffs, James, like that pairing, Giordano and Hall, was excellent when they brought it together after game two. I don't know. We need to see what happens with Sandine. And we obviously need to see what happens with the rest of the roster. But I would just not be in a rush to dump him. I just think he's useful to have. Well, it's interesting, Jonas, because they were looking at trading both he and Dermot like early last season. You know, I got wind in November that they were being offered around the league. And, you know, people liked Hall a little bit more than Dermot. But they, my understanding is they weren't getting much in the way of assets offered back. So, like, he, he's he's worth more than nothing. Yeah. Right? Well, and you're so, going to need, a, even if you kept Sandine, you're going to need a seventh defenseman. Like you said, it's not ideal to pay a seventh defenseman uh, two million, but maybe like you're not going to, maybe you don't play Muzzin every game. Maybe you don't play Giordano every game. Like you're going to have yeah. injuries. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if the conversations with Giordano were, you're not going to play every night. I, I honestly, to me, it would be more about Muzzin than Giordano. But yeah, Giordano is 38. Muzzin's the kind of guy that doesn't like to sit, right? Like, but, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Matthew says, given how bad the goaltending was for a lot of last season, can we equal or, can we equal or better uh, the, the, he's saying we as, as if, you know, part of the Leafs, which we are not. Uh, can the Leafs equal or better their results with league average goaltending? Yeah. I mean, like the, the one of the reasons for optimism is if they can find a way to get to be slightly better in goal, it's going to cover up more of the mistakes. I mean, the fact they had 115 points with the save percentage they did last year is, is pretty impressive and often gets overlooked. Yes. So, yeah. I just don't know. How, right now... It doesn't look like, great. Right, well, right now, we don't know what that's going to be. Right, I don't know how they're going to get to that end. Yeah. What a pickle. Let's see. Where did they rank? So, they ranked six from the bottom in 5-on-5 save percentage last year. And these are the teams who were worse. Detroit, Buffalo, Arizona, Seattle, New Jersey. Uh, Mike wants to know, is there any dark horse goaltender candidate out there besides the names we've already heard? I mean, I, I spent part of the weekend like calling around and checking on some some names and I was getting a lot of no's. You know, one I wondered about was Nadelkovich in Detroit with Huso going there, but it sounds like Detroit wants both guys. So it doesn't sound like he's going to be available. Uh, Holtby is one we have talked about in the past, but the injury situation with him is worse than what is out there in mm-hmm. terms of what's been reported. Like he's not going to be ready to go. So, uh, I don't know about Halak who's getting up there in years, but has been a go- good goalie in the past. Any other, uh, you know, who, one who I would throw out there is Eric Comrie, maybe who has not played a lot in the NHL and has been bounced around in waivers. But when he has played in the NHL, his numbers have been solid. Maybe that's a backup candidate if you do end up with, uh, you know, uh, uh, a better number one option. Yeah. I mean, you could trade for Jake Allen if you wanted, although he's just kind of a tandem guy. 
Well, and Montreal doesn't really know what they're going to, like, they might need Jake Allen. Yeah, I guess with Carey Price, you don't know. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on Colin White, who Ottawa bought out? Do you think he could be like a reclamation project? I mean, if he's playing on your fourth line, might be potentially. I, just, I don't know if he fits the like the style of a, what they were looking for on that line, though. Yeah, I'd have to take a closer look. I, I don't think so, but maybe. Yeah, a lot of questions, Jonas, about UFA forwards. Like, the, people are all wondering who the next Michael Bunting is going to be. I don't see someone who's going to break out to the extent that Bunting did, but he was then such again, a unique candidate. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, like, some of the, so some of the guys that I had on my top 10, some are gone. <laughs> uh, Fleury's gone. Darren Helm, I mentioned, he's not a Bunting candidate. Cogliano's gone. Miles Wood, I mentioned, I think Miles Wood would make a lot of sense for them. Just based on how he plays, like he's different from what they have a little bit. Uh, and he can score a little bit. Billy Huso's gone. Evan Rodriguez, you think he's going to get too much mm. money? Yeah, probably. And also, he had the chance to play for the Leafs in the past and, and chose not to. I mean, they, they acquired him at one point and he said thanks, but no thanks and went elsewhere. Yeah, but their opportunity has kind of opened up a little bit. I, I had Zach Aston Reese, who I really like, as kind of like mm-hmm. an energy type of guy for their fourth, third, fourth lines. Really good defensively. Really good defensively. <laughs> Jonathan wants to know, is Harry Sateri an option? <laughs> no. I think he's serious. Uh, Kubalik, we talked about. Mammon went back to the KHL and Justin Braun as a seventh defenseman. Well, I mean, they're still, they still like Labushkin, so... That's the other thing. If you're Sandine, if they're thinking about signing Labushkin, it's like, wait a minute, where where is that guy going to play? Yes, Graham's asking what happened with Steve Briere. So we haven't talked about this yet. They, they named Curtis Sanford the the goalie coach, which is an interesting name. A guy who played in the league, uh, Owen Sound native, Curtis Sanford uh, played a little bit for St. Louis and I believe Vancouver, and was in the Canucks organization as kind of a development goalie coach. Um. We haven't really written anything about this yet, but Sanford apparently is known for his work with Demko and uh, Spencer Martin out in Vancouver and, and working to develop them. Supposed to be pretty good with young goalies. So I don't know if that'll play into their decision on who they bring in. But uh, And he's also got a reputation as being a kind of a, a really good guy. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, Sheldon Keefe talked about it a little bit over the weekend. Just that they were looking for a new voice. Uh, they took a lot of time, he said, to, to kind of decide what they were going to do. They interviewed, he said, 10 candidates. Uh, and they liked um, Curtis Sanford's communication skills, uh, his ability to, to offer like clear, concise direction. And they liked that he had played in the league and like that he had also played in a Canadian market. Um so that's why they ended up going that direction. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what role he plays in who they get and what role, like one of the things with Matt Murray that you have to remember is John Elkin, who works for the Leafs as I forget his title, uh, was like Matt Murray's like goalie coach from when he was like a kid. Mm-hmm. So if there's anyone who, and I think there's like a, a risk to this, like if there's anyone who believes that he can get Murray back on track, it would probably be John Elkin. but. You got to be careful like that that can be familiarity doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to break through. Well, and they know that Matt Murray from I mean Matt Murray has had good seasons in the NHL, but you know, Just, now he's got mile, miles on his body and the injuries and the the age and he's not old, but he's not young and 
you got to be careful that the the Matt Murray you you remember from years ago is not it's not going to be the same guy that shows up. Yes. Uh, I think that's it, Jonas. I mean, Zach wants to know if the Leafs can trade for Hellebuck, but I don't know if, how much you want to get into that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why the the Winnipeg Jets would be interested in doing that unless they're blowing it up. Um, which they are not. Yeah, you know, but so it's, it's interesting, James. Like just to wrap it up, like how the musical chairs kind of affects things, like. St. Louis was interested in bringing back Huso. If they bring back Huso, suddenly Jordan Bennington becomes an option, but that doesn't happen. So he's off the board. Like there's just all these like little. Yeah. The ramifications, ramifications. and the knock on effect. And yeah, it would be so fascinating to see, like, I'm sure this is all plotted out somewhere on like a big board at the, the, the Ford center in one of the, the offices of the least front office. It'd be interesting to see like, if this happens then this will happen. And if this happens then this will happen. Yeah. And they had, they probably, they probably have a list of 20 goalies and like, here's, here's who we want. You know, top option. And, you know, Kyle Dubas was even explaining some of, like, the, the game theory or whatever with it. Like, you know, if we trade for a guy, we got to give something up to get that goalie, probably. But if we sign a guy, we don't have to give anything up. And that cha- that changes the equation on which route they want to go. And Yeah. Uh, anyway, but, you know, we're doing another podcast this week because of everything going on. And, you know, I think probably by Thursday we're going to know who their two goalies are going to be. And it's going to be, uh, it's gonna be a, a really big part of their season. All right. Well, if you haven't signed up for The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. We appreciate uh, you listening. And like James said, we'll be back later in the week. Talk to then, James. Goodbye. Cheers. Cheers.